right, follow along with me in the introduction. Tonight's, tonight's, today's message is called Chapter 5, An Interlude to the End, Conflict Resolution. Uh, for those of you guys who've been here with us since the beginning of Biblical Relationships, we actually began and started this whole series, and the title of it was A Prelude to the End. And we talked about how when it comes to biblical relationships, before we even discuss how to manage dating properly, before we even discuss how to manage a relationship or what to look for in a in a potential mate, a potential spouse. We need to look at the most primary and independent, not independent, most primary and important relationship of all time, and it's that our relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we look towards the end of that relationship, we looked at Revelation chapter 4 and how really our relationship of walking by faith, it's going to come to an end one day. Because our faith is going to made sight when we change and transform and have a body like unto His glorious body. We looked at that. We kicked things off. And the whole point behind that was to show you that is where we're all going towards. If you're in here and you're saved and you're a believer, you are all going to that ultimate change where you are going to have a body and a new mind that is never going to think an impure thought again. That is never going to speak a foul word again. That is never going to do a sinful act against your Lord and Savior ever again. But as we were reminded in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, those types of changes should be happening every single day for us. Every time that we spend time in the presence of God in His Word, we should be changed from glory to glory, from faith to faith, 2 Corinthians 3 says. Those small changes should be occurring every time you get into this book. And that includes on Wednesdays and Sundays when we meet and gather together. And that's why we change up the room. That's why I remind you every single week, prepare for change. Prepare to change what you have previously thought, what you have come to grow up to believe when it comes contrary to the Word of God. And that jump-started us into this whole first half of this series talking about the most foundational relationships we have, which is that with our family. Your parents, your siblings, your friends, both lost and saved. And so before we dive in next week to looking at the dating realm, I wanted us to take just a little bit of a break, a little bit of a pause to have just a little short devotional about looking at conflict resolution. And this serves as a good in-between point because it helps us to look back and look at those relationships and also to look forward at the relationships to come in your life. And it causes us to realize that, man, if you want to maintain any kind of semblance of peace and you want to maintain any kind of semblance of a relationship with any of these people, we need to know how to resolve conflicts. And, and understand, when I, and please don't be offended when I say this, this is really just a common thing amongst teenagers in general. It's not you guys specifically, it's just, it's always been like this with teenagers. But teenagers particularly, you have a hard time with resolving conflicts. That was totally me. Sorry, I guess that offended Andy or took him by surprise. That was the same for me. That was the case for me. It's just harder when you're a teenager because you've not really encountered big problems before. You know, when you're a kid, it's like your parents had to get involved and tell you guys to stop, you know, yelling at each other or whatever. But to actually handle these things on your own, you know, that if you've had any kind of experience in it, it can be hard knowing, did I make the right choice? Did I say the right words? So conflict resolution is huge as it pertains to maintaining and having godly relationships with people. And we need to just give some space to talk about it today. So on the introduction, before we shift gears in our study to look at dating, 
We need to give space to talk about a crucial aspect found in all relationships, conflict resolution. Because we're all sinners, it is inevitable that we will encounter conflicts with various people in our lives at some point. If it hasn't already happened, it will. As we've discussed before, you cannot control the actions of others, but you can control your own actions and reactions. If we desire to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant from our Savior, again, at that moment when we see him, and we're transformed, we need to learn how to overcome differences amongst each other. And I'm telling you guys, conflict resolution has become even more of a difficulty for you because of the advent of technology. It just has. Um, to feel confident or comfortable resolving a conflict behind this screen, it only makes matters worse. I mean, it was, yeah, meant to be funny, and it was meant to illustrate the context factor of how to study the Bible, but, you know, the skit that Andy and I did, where we were texting each other back and forth, and he took what I was saying one way, and I actually meant it a completely different way. When you can't see the other person's facial expressions, when you can't hear their tone of voice, and you're only reading it completely divorced from those two things on a text on a screen, your mind can just run rampant with all kinds of things. And what they might actually mean as not offensive at all, you might take it to be personal. Technology has only made these things worse, and that's why you have so many people you know, fighting online. That's why you see so much bullying. That's why you see so much trolling. That's why you see all these things happening, because people have become so comfortable talking with people behind a screen, and that's not how it was supposed to be. There's something about, yes, a written word, but that written word that God gave us is to be communicated to others, and it's no different with the way that we talk with each other and communicate with each other. You need to have verbal conversations with people, and that's why I felt this was very, very important to go over before we jump into dating next week. So point number one, when it comes to conflict resolution, before you do anything else, you should do what we're about to do actually right now, before I forget, and pray. So let's pray. Father, I do want to thank you again for this time that uh, we can open up your word. And I know everyone's itching to get to the, uh, the dating aspect of this relationship, but again, as we've looked at every other uh, relationship that we do have in this life, whether it be with friends or family, there's elements of that that will tie into dating relationships. So I hope everyone's been listening and paying attention up to this point because everything we talked about is going to flow right into what we talk about next week and especially conflict resolution. We need to know how to handle these differences amongst each other because they're going to come. I pray that your, your word would go forth, that your hand would be upon tonight's message, today's message, and tonight's message of the Boys Bible Study in Jesus' name. Amen. As a reminder, 6 o'clock, the mazes. Guard your heart, point number one. Guard your heart and thereby guard what you say. Reason being, up on the screen, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart. That word means to guard it, protect it. You need to be like you're a watchman. You need to be on guard. Keep thy heart with all diligence. Don't do it half-heartedly. Don't do it in a lazy fashion. Be diligent. Be intentional. For out of it are what? The issues of Thank you. And I put Luke 6.45 right in there because it <laughs> chimes right in with it. Earlier in the verse, Christ says, you know, a good man out of, the, out of the goodness of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the wickedness of his heart bringeth forth that which is bad. Why? For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. What's in your heart comes out. What's inside of you eventually comes out. 
So here's the thing. If you find yourself saying things that are constantly bringing issues or bringing discord amongst people, whether it's in relationships within this room, relationships within your own family, or friends at school, if you're saying things constantly that are bringing out discord, it says something about your heart. There's a ton of verses that you can look up. I know I, even for me, I've been looking at some old verses that I started memorizing that I needed to just keep a heart check on because there are things that just kind of fly out. I'm like, I didn't think that one through. Why is that? What does that say about my heart? Verses all throughout the Proverbs that talk about this idea, but the heart and the mouth are connected. What's inside and your outside actions are connected. So what is it saying? That's why we need to guard our hearts. We need to keep our hearts pure. When you do that, you will guard what you say. Look at verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 4. See then that ye walk circumspectly. We just looked at this. That's chapter 5, sorry. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body, talking about the church, talking about believers, the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Do you see the connection there? If you're speaking the truth in love in verse 15, you will edify or build up your brothers and sisters in Christ. You will pick them up and not tear them down. We need to be in the business of speaking the truth in love because we're getting the love of the truth in us. If you're not speaking the love of the truth, you're probably not getting the love of the truth. Or if you're not speaking the truth in love, you're probably not getting the love of the truth in you. Because what's inside comes out. So really to summarize this point up, it sounds cliche, but then again, Christ said it in Matthew 7, treat others the way you want to be treated. Very cliche, used in the secular world all this thinking time, but they ripped it from Christ. But in this context, really think about that. How do you want to be treated? Then treat others the same way. Because I don't think anybody in here wants to treat others like crap. I don't think anybody in here wants to. And I don't think that anybody in your schools, you feel like you want to treat them like crap. Maybe there's one or two. But in that case, I would say you have to keep in mind, are they lost? If they're lost, have grace on them. If this is within your own home with your parents or your siblings, do you want them treating you like crap? No. Then treat them the way that you want to be treated. 1 John 3.18 says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Your words need to match your actions. So that's first point on conflict resolution. Just guard your heart, and thereby you'll guard what you say. Point two, take personal responsibility for your faults and actions. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18. Again, the benefit of something that's this short, this concise, is that, man, find a verse in all four of these points that really hits you, that really speaks to you, and put all of these verses in that verse. Put all of these points, these four points, in the margins of your Bible 
wherever you find that verse that really hits you. That way you know, okay, I'm in, mall, I'm in the middle of a conflict right now. Where is it at in my Bible where I can go to about conflict resolution? Oh, that's right. I don't know where it's at in the podcast. I don't know if I still have the study sheet, but I did put it in my Bible. And I remember it was in Proverbs because that verse really hit me. So I'm going to turn to Proverbs. Oh, and there's all four points right there. And now I know how to combat this thing. That's the point of a study like this. So point number two, take personal responsibility for your faults and actions. Look at Matthew 18. Can I get a reader for verse 15? Isabella. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. You know, I kind of actually like having this back here. Just get the chill against this. Lean up against here. Fall asleep. Eat a donut. Okay, I'm digressing. It says there, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Does it say gossip about it to all of your friends? Does it say rip them to shreds behind their back to all of your friends? No. Now, if you have counsel on a matter that you need to seek, absolutely. This is why I said last Wednesday night, you go to Paul's, though. You go to people who are farther farther along in their walk and not people that are peer level or people that are not as far along in their walk. You want to make sure that you're taking it up if you have counsel, if you're asking for counsel on how to handle a situation. But ultimately, you need to go to that person, you and them alone, and hash it out. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy what? What does it say at the end there? Brother. Brother. That's the end goal. We can't lose sight of the big picture. We can't lose sight of what really matters. It's the brotherhood and the sisterhood that's found within these four walls. It's the familial relations you have between the four walls of your home. It's the fact that you all have been given a land wherever you go to school to reach that land for the glory of Christ and make disciples there so that they thereby become your brother. So if you have issues, if you have conflicts with them, talk it out. Go to them. It actually says, go and tell him his fault between thee and thee, or thee and he, whatever. Not text it. Go to them. Go face to face. And at the very least, if you can't do that, give them a ring on the phone. So they can hear your voice and hear that you're not ticked at them. Or they can, you know, at least hear in the tone of your voice that you're trying to resolve matters. But if it's you and you're the one to blame, take personal responsibility for your faults and actions. James 5.16 on the screen says, Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another. You know, I always give so much emphasis on the second half of this verse. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But man, that middle section goes overlooked that you may be healed. Have you been cut to your core? Has there been an incident that happened that has hurt you? If you want healing internally, talk it out. Take personal responsibility for what you've done. Seek them out and pray for that person. That's where the healing comes in. See, we're all going to make mistakes and we all have our own weaknesses. The real issue is what are you going to do about it? If you let it fester and you let it stew, you're going to spring up within you a root of bitterness. Anybody go running around in your backyard 
and then you trip over something that you've never tripped over before because you ran over that spot a thousand times over, and then you turn and look, and a root has popped up out of the ground. That happened to a rider just this past summer at a graduation party. They tripped over this root that was just up on the ground and then boom, back down. It just popped up because the roots are growing. Bitterness is the exact same way. It's a root that pops up and it springs up so it knows just when to trip you up and cause you to fall. So what are you going to do about it? Point three, do everything within your control to live in peace with everyone. We've talked about this before in our study in Romans. Up on the screen again. Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with some men, all men. That means lost and saved. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things therewith one may edify one another. That's Romans 14, 19. You're in Matthew 18. Jump down to verse 22. 21 for context. Can I get a reader for those two verses? 21 and 22. Who can sound out syllables together, form them in words, a group of sentence? Andy. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now, I don't know if anybody has ticked you off 490 times, um, but if you're actually counting, the problem might be you, if you're keeping record of that many times. The point of that is, you know what? If they're a brother in Christ, keep forgiving them. Keep loving on them. Don't come to a point where you're like, oh, man... Maybe you have to separate yourself from them for a time. Maybe you need to not have as close fellowship with them for a little bit. But you can still forgive them. And if they do come before you and they want to make things right, then be willing to forgive them. Don't you want your Heavenly Father to do the same thing to you when you mess up? When you sin? Isn't that what we do when we come before Him for the thousandth time and say, Lord, I did it again. I'm sorry. We want that from Him, don't we? And doesn't He say in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our faults, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so that we can have that fellowship restored again? If He's forgiven us of that much, we need to forgive each other of the same. Again, you guys got to get this down now. Because if you think that the way that you handle conflicts now is going to fly when you do start dating... <laughs> the married people are laughing in the room about that it's not going to work and it's going to be a, a painful time for you turn over to James chapter 3 it's not humanly possible to please everybody and that's not what we're asking you to do it's not humanly possible to have peace with every single person, but it is possible to do absolutely everything you can to be at peace and for you yourselves to remain blameless. 
For those of you who, are, who believe God has a call in your life for ministry or missions or whatever, the first qualification in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 is blamelessness. It doesn't mean sinlessness. It doesn't mean perfection. That means that, man, if there's an accusation that's thrown against you, it doesn't stick because, you know what? You at least did your part to try to make things right. Be blameless. James chapter 3, and I probably could have put this under point number one, but I figured it was more beneficial here. All right. Uh, I need to, let's actually, let's see. Who's awake? Because we're going to do some just going down the line reading. We're going to start with you, Jacob. That means the back row. Everybody hopefully should be in James 3. We're going to start with you in verse 3. Ben 4. Jaden 5. Sophia 6. Kagan, verse 9. Heidi, 10. And Ava, you're going to do verse 11. <laughs> All right, follow along, guys. Verse 3, go ahead, Jake. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, are driven the fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. Even so the... Okay, what? Tongue. Oh, tongue. Is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. All right, stop right there before we go any further. Somebody put in your own words what we just read in these three verses. Little things move. Very good. Little things have the capability of moving very large obstacles. A bit in a horse's mouth, a ginormous horse. I mean, any of you guys rode horses before? Yes. That tiny little thing can completely dictate the course of where that ginormous beast goes. Same thing with a ship. Just this little tiny wheel can move an entire large ship. And it's those two pictures that James decides to equate to the tongue and how powerful it is, and how damaging it can be. Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it devoureth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Wow. Therewith blessed God, even the Father, and therewith earthly men, which are made after the similitude of God. Sorry, verse 10. I love it. He says, out of the same mouth, we're going to bless God and curse men. And then he goes back to nature. Do you ever go to a, a fountain and it shoots out fresh water and salt water? doesn't make sense. It goes against nature. It goes against science. Yet why is it okay for us to do the same thing? For us to have sweet words of blessing come out unto God when we go and sing praise to Him in here just a few moments, and yet at the very same mouth we will cut down each other. It's contrary 
You don't see it anywhere else in nature, so why has it happened with us? James 3. Man, the book of James has been coming up a lot this week in our, our studies. In Acts 24, 16, you know what Paul says? I do exercise myself. Meaning, when you exercise, you don't just do it by happenstance. You're intentional with exercising. You have to make the choice. And sometimes you don't want to do it, right? But you know you got to do it. Paul says, I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Is that you? Is that your heart? To have a conscience void of offense, meaning there's nothing that anybody can make stick to you towards God and towards men. That's the way it ought to be. We need to do everything in our power to live in peace with everyone. And last point, point four. Live among everyone with one eye on the judgment seat of Christ. We've talked extensively in every single series we've done about the judgment seat. Again, that is the, the time of judgment that is not for unbelievers. You, as a believer, a saved individual in Christ, you will not be judged for your sin at that judgment. Your sin was judged at the cross of Calvary, and it was forever wiped clean at the moment of your salvation. The judgment seat of Christ is where you are judged for your works and your labor since you became a Christian, and the heart motive behind that. You can read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 later about those passages, about what's going to go on there. How much of your work, how much of your labor is going to be burnt up because you had issues in relationships with people in this very room, in your homes, and at your schools? You realize if you had some kind of bitterness or harbored some kind of grudge against somebody at school, and you chose, because of that issue, not to share Christ with them, if they die in their sins and they do not get saved, when they're judged at the great white throne judgment, according to Ezekiel chapter 3, I believe it is, their blood, the Bible says, is going to be on your hands because you knew the truth of the Bible, but you didn't do anything to try to rescue them because of whatever reasons. And in the context of this scenario, because you harbored a grudge against them. Yikes. The Bible says those are things that when we come before our judgment for Christians and we bring our, our works and we cast them before the Lord and we offer them up, those are probably the things where he's like, oh, yeah, you were a good witness at school, but there was this incident and there's that incident and there's that incident where you had grudge there and, and you didn't do it out of a right heart attitude there and oh, you only witnessed there because you thought it'd make you look good. And all of those works get burned up. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 5 that it's a terrible day. There's terror involved with that day when we have our day in court. If you live each and every single moment in each and every single one of your relationships with one eye on the judgment seat of Christ, knowing that the way I treat this person, I might have to give an account before for how I treated them, I assure you things would go differently. Romans 14.10 up here on the screen. This will be the last time I have you look here. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, whatever it is that you got a beef with them on, whatever it is you got an issue with them on, uh, just keep in mind, you're going to have your day in court as well. And that should help you be a little bit more forgiving. Uh, yeah, turn over to Matthew 24.
Matthew 24, look with me at verse 48. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants. In other words, if a believer who's not walking with God decides to live for today and just to have fun, and be like, eh, I'm going to live my way. I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven, and God's not coming back anytime soon. You might not say that. And you might know because you go to this church or to a like-minded church that you know Christ could come back at any moment. But your lifestyle can contradict your thoughts. You guys realize that, right? Where you might not ever be so brazen to say, oh, God's not coming back. Oh, he's delaying his coming, so I get to have fun and do whatever I want. You might not say that out loud. But you all know that there are people who live that way. If that's you and you decide to do, verse 49, shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of thy servants shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour when he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, doctrinally speaking, again, keep in mind this is Matthew. It's the gospel to the Jews. It has a very Jewish connotation and also has a very tribulation context era. So that doesn't mean you're going to lose your salvation if you decide to treat people in this room badly. It's not what he's talking about there. But in the judgment seat of Christ context, you will lose reward. And there might be weeping on that day for you. And you don't need to turn over there, but just listen to 1 Peter 4, verses 7 and 8. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Be a watchman. Guard your heart. You guard your heart. That's why we had this point number one. You guard your heart and everything else will fall in place. Verse 8, And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Has the charity and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ covered a multitude of all of your sins, past, present, and the sins you're going to commit today and tomorrow? Yeah. That's what charity does. So be Christ-like towards somebody else and cover their sins that they might have against you. Because in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. We need to exhort each other. We can't forsake being around each other. we got to lift each other up. We need to provoke each other, not to wrath and anger, but to love and to good deeds. Because there are lives at stake. That's the point of this ministry, to shine our light in dark places. I don't know about you, but when I'm being cut or torn down by others, or if I'm being just persecuted against, even amongst my own brethren, I don't really feel like shining my light. I feel like just either launching off and obliterating them or just crawling in my little hidey hole and being to myself. That's not ministry. That's not what we're about. So again, as we look back at the relationships we've covered so far, you've got to know conflict resolution with your family members and friends, lost and saved. And as we go forward, we've got to have conflict resolution to whoever it is that you're looking at potentially dating. Let's pray.